Hello, and welcome to the Be Well and Thrive podcast with me, your host, Dr. Bill Rankis of Movement First Physical Therapy. My goal is to provide you with access to providers, trainers, coaches, dietitians, and influencers in the triangle area so that you can get a glimpse into what they can offer and hear their point of view on health and wellness. So, I hope you enjoy, be well, and thrive. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me and following along. It means so much to me that you have been listening along to these podcasts. If you do me a huge favor, uh, subscribe and rate the podcast. That way I can help promote the podcast to more people in the area so that they know where to go when they need help with this, that, or another thing. Again, it would mean so much to me if you could just either subscribe so that you don't miss and so you can continue to hear awesome conversations with different providers and different influencers and coaches, as well as rate the podcast so that other people in the area have a chance to be exposed to it and so that they can be exposed to the amazing minds that I'm speaking to. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Be Well and Thrive. My name is Bill Rankus with Movement First Physical Therapy, and I am joined today by the wonderful Monica Richardson, who is the founder and executive director of Triant, uh, excuse me, Triangle Area Parent Support Group, TAPS for short, uh, which is a non-for-profit support group for new parents, uh, parents going through new experiences, as well as continued support for parents uh, to you know deal with all the things that parents deal with, uh, which if you're a parent, you understand and can relate. So Monica, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy. You have your family yourself. You have your busy uh, TAPS programs to take care of and fundraisers uh, that you are running. If you don't mind introducing yourself a little bit, explaining a little bit about what brought you to TAPS, uh, Triangle Area Parent Support Group, and um, and I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I am just just thrilled to be here. Um, thrilled to take a break from the busy, you know, run of the mill and um, and chat with you for a little bit. So, um, let's see. So I, um, you know, the story is actually kind of a long story. Um, uh, in my previous career was as a, a high school social studies teacher. I, I taught high school social studies, world history, U.S. history, and gym. I taught gym class. Um, <laughs> yeah, for a couple of years. And then when we became pregnant with our first child, uh, it was kind of the middle of the recession. And I already knew that I wanted to stop teaching um, when I had the baby. And uh, the company that my husband worked for had this um, reduction in force. And so we were given the choice to be unemployed or move across the country. So um, we chose to move across the country away from all of our family support. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina. I grew up in Durham. I went to NC State. Uh, People who are local to the Triangle might uh, be familiar with the high school I went to. I went to Jordan High School. I When I go shopping at Target, sometimes I see old high school friends. Um, That's super fun. They don't always recognize me. Um, and, and anyways, so we moved away from all of our family support, all of our friends here, and um, and landed in this huge city where we knew exactly one family. Um, 
and my my friend had also just had her first baby and um you know and so i spent the last three months of my pregnancy snuggling with her baby and learning how to change a diaper and she had signed up for um this program called the program for early parent support and she kind of signed up last minute and said you know um hey, if I get in, that'll be great. And then um, she got a spot in a group that was almost full and, um, and started. And after her group started, she said, Monica, this is amazing. You have to sign up. Here's my laptop. And, um, and I was like, uh, okay, I don't have anything else to do. So, uh, so I signed up and um, after my daughter was born, uh, about three weeks later, I showed up to a complete stranger's home and sat down and started trying to nurse my baby as all of these other mothers and their children filtered in and kind of started doing the same thing. And we started introducing ourselves. And, you know, over the next couple of months, we, uh, we got to know each other and we realized all of the struggles that we were going through, you know, regardless of where we lived and what kind of jobs we had. Um, so much of that newborn parenting experience is just similar just because that's the phase that you're in and so um, meanwhile my friends from high school and college back here in the triangle were also starting their families and having um, a really different experience from mine right i felt super supported by all of my new friends in this program and so even though i was far away from family i felt like i had you know, people that I could call in an emergency and, you know, someone that I could call when I was upset, people I could hang out with. And my friends here in the triangle were just, just isolated, right? Um, experiencing postpartum depression and not getting help, um, experiencing colicky babies and driving an hour to get help from their parents. And I thought to myself, hey, if I ever have the opportunity to move back to North Carolina, I have to bring this program with me. So uh, we we had the yeah, clearly I'm here. So we had that chance. And when we moved back to North Carolina, that's when I went about the process of founding the nonprofit and building a board of directors and leading my first couple of groups and training our first couple of volunteers. And it's kind of um, just grown from there. Yeah, that's amazing. That's uh, that's that's such an incredible story from the experience of your first day there where you're having this I mean it sounds like you were completely vulnerable and having this major new experience of doing something very personal and being around some people that you had no clue who they were but then growing into like like you kind of just that support network and those people that have your back and uh, for those listening I've also gone through the Triangles Parent Support Group, and that's how I got connected with Monica. And um, we had an amazing experience, which we may get into. But uh, at this point, it's my normal, right? That normal of having had that experience, having had someone or a group of people to speak to, and just kind of talk about the things you're going through and normalize it. And and as you're speaking about some of your friends who didn't have that, um, you know, they're going through all these challenges, depression struggles with with how to handle a baby figuring out if it's normal um all those things that you know has, has challenged them and not having that support or having to drive to get that support it's um you know again it's it's incredible that you were able to take that leap 
when you came here to bring it and and start it and grow it to where it's where it is now um yeah with that being said where is it now what what's the you started with yourself helping and programming and where is it now what what is the whole shebang for for what people can get from you guys yeah so you know we started with just one program we started with the the program for early parent support which is our um well in seattle they do it for 12 weeks and we decided that that's kind of long um to commit to meet the same time every week so we do it for 10 weeks um and that program is our really our core program we know that when we are able to get a group of parents together whether it's on zoom or in a room uh every week over and over again, the same parents, that the intentional relationships are able to form. It's really hard to form those relationships when, you know, when you're just dropping in or it's a playgroup and you show up when you want to and the people change all the time and you have to keep introducing yourselves and frankly, that's exhausting. Um, and so, you know, when you know who you're gonna see every week, um, you're able to really build those deep relationships. So that's um, the, the really deep intention behind the the newborn peps groups so uh and then we have kind of gone um taking the same curriculum so we use the program for early parent supports curriculum um, and they update it for us and it's written by all these amazing experts um licensed therapists social workers sleep experts parent coaches they get together they write the background information and the questions and the activities and um, they've written this rhythm so in the peps program there's a, a rhythm to each meeting so every group starts with um, just sharing that kind of vulnerable time um, where they are sharing highs and lows and then there's an educational moment um, where we sing songs and play games with babies and maybe we'll talk about a parenting skill and then there's that really intentional social break which is hard to do on zoom but is so important um, where parents just talk about whatever you know their jobs their hobbies their favorite sports teams or, you know, um, and then the last piece is the topic discussion, which is, um, you know, is where the facilitator is guiding the group in a conversation about a specific topic related to parenting. Okay, so that's the curriculum. And we have, I think there's over 40 topics. And in 10 weeks, right, you only get to do 10 topics. Mm -hmm. So we uh, have been working all year with the program for early parent support to expand that into um, a pre prenatal program so that we can really get parents to start developing their social networks uh, before the baby comes. And so we're doing four topics with parents um, who are still expecting and waiting for baby to arrive. And then we also realize that there's this gap between when you hear about us and maybe when you're ready to join a group. And so we are now doing drop-in groups. Yes, you have to introduce yourself every week, but it's kind of this stopgap between your prenatal group and your newborn group where you can um, you know, just show up on a Wednesday night and vent about whatever has been going on during the week, get some support, talk to a trained volunteer. Um, if you need help finding a therapist, we wanna be able to help you find a therapist. Um, and I think why would parent, is going why would in and out. Tell me if you can still hear me. I can, yeah, I can absolutely still hear you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but I was saying, why would a parent ever need to vent? I mean, 
what are they venting about? It's joyous, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what? I, I love that you dropped um, a little bit. About I mean, if you have done an internet search for parenting memes, <laughs> you'll, I mean, you can see all the reasons why parents vent. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you guys are doing Zoom now with, with coronavirus and everything. You're establishing, um, you're establishing that Zoom presence and being able to have these meetings in, in a virtual capacities to make sure that you are in compliance to all the social distancing and keep everybody healthy and safe. You know, prior to coronavirus, you were doing in person at people's homes, um, meeting, uh, and and I'm sure the feels are completely different. Uh, the benefits are still there for sure, uh, as I can attest. Uh, but, you know, tell me what you see going forward in terms of the hopes of growing maybe the virtual aspect uh, or at some point returning to in-person uh, when you're able. Yeah, so one of the things that's really important to me even while we're only meeting virtually is that parents are still living close to each other because that social connection is so intentional and important, we're still organizing groups based on parents' geographical location, um, which means that for the time being, we won't be accepting uh, parent applications from outside of the area. Um, but sometimes I get requests for group support and from people who live outside the area. And typically then I'll go and do a Google search, hey, what's in this person's area? and send them the name of a similar nonprofit in the area that they can get connected to. Just that geographical location is really important. So even on Zoom, the people that you're talking to will live within 15 or 20 minutes of you so that you can, on your own, go and do a, you know, a park meetup, socially distant, whatever, you know, at your comfort level. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important. And then as we look at what the right timing is to return to doing things in person, um, we, there's a lot of factors we have to take into account. You know, one of them is, uh, is parents' safety and their baby's safety. Mm -hmm. And um, another factor that we are considering is our safety and the safety of family members that they may be caring for. So several of our volunteers are caring for aging um, family members, and we so value their time and their work with the parents that they're serving that I, I can't mm -hmm. put them in um, in a situation um, so uh, so we don't really know when we will be doing things in person again for the time being we're just focusing on supporting the parents that we're able to via zoom um, and and then the other really cool thing that we have going on um, is uh, the the new like half of our programming that we have just started launching um, and that's our programs that we're delivering in Spanish. Um, so one of the key missing components, missing elements in the Spanish-speaking parenting experience here in North Carolina, um, and really probably across the United States, is social support. Many of them have moved from other countries, and you know, Spanish is still the language that they speak primarily in the home, even if they're bilingual and speak English in public and at school and at work, um, finding people that they can relate to culturally, 
um, and with the, their language and who may also understand their, you know, their preferences, their faiths, the, um, the experience of being an immigrant and an expat, um, having your family live in another country. These are all unique experiences that our Spanish speaking friends um, are having and that research is showing um, they're not getting enough social support with their new babies. So we are, um, we also noticed that when we tried to do those groups in person, they were a lot harder for parents to get to. So uh, we're not doing those groups on Zoom either because a lot of the parents that we surveyed said they didn't have access to a laptop, but they did have access to a phone, right? Almost every uh, family that has moved here from Latin America has uh, a WhatsApp either on their computer or on their phone so they can call family and friends who live internationally. So we're using WhatsApp to deliver the PEPS curriculum in Spanish to these families that have young babies um, who live in, um, in the Triangle area. And that's really cool. It's, um, it's partially funded by Wake County Smart Start. So we're able to not just deliver the curriculum, but also provide some extra support for basic needs like diapers and groceries. Um, and there's a couple of books that we're able to deliver to those families um, because of the grant funding. And that's, uh, that's really exciting too. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, not only that you are providing a medium for for these families and the support for them, but also your awareness and ability to kind of get it to them in a way that's going to be helpful, right? You know, uh, we can't do it in person. We can't do it with laptop. What is the best way to do it? And and mm -hmm. and getting it out there for them so that they can digest it and, and experience it and use it. And um, that's, that's very exciting and congratulations for that. And, you know, I hope all the best for, for that program. That's exciting. Yeah. So tell me, um, you know, obviously the, the importance of sharing uh, during your programming is important just to, um, you know, get things off your chest to share similar experiences to uh, normalize or uh, affirm things that are happening. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the topics at the that you guys tend to try and help teach about and how important that is uh, for them. Yeah. So um, in the PEPS curriculum, there's five topics that every group does. And then there's the other five weeks, they get to choose whatever topic is um, most important to them that week. Uh, so we always start with um, what I believe are really foundational topics to the parenting experience. Um, and one is uh, the first one that we do, and this is during the same week that we talk about how we will treat each other respectfully and not stare at our phones during the meeting, you know, those kinds of rules. Um, and then we have uh, parents share their baby's arrival story. And that's always a really sweet week because, um, you know, not everyone's memories are positive, but oftentimes when they have the opportunity to share their experience uh, in a setting where they know that they're, they're safe and they won't be judged and whatever happens will be received, um, you know, and however they have to tell their story, it will just be received openly by the group. 
Um, and so that can be a really healing process for parents to, uh, to just process their experience. You know, we serve a lot of parents who've dealt with infertility. And so sometimes the story they want to share isn't even about baby's birth. Sometimes it's the story of, you know, the struggle that they went through to conceive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes there's a traumatic birth story that a parent needs to share that, um, that they may need some additional help with. And so we always send out um, extra resources after the meetings. And so that during that meeting, um, I always send out helpful links to, um, to how to process your birth story and, you know, some suggestions for therapy if people need to talk with a professional more about the topic. So the first one is baby's arrival story. Super sweet. The second one that we talk about is, um, is sleep. Okay, sleep is so important that I also bring this up during the prenatal groups that we're doing now. Um, you know, a lot of parents go into their journey not really realizing how much sleep they will lose. And so they just think, oh, the baby's going to come and then somehow it's going to get fed and we're all going to be happy, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Surprise. <laughs> so we talk about, you know, what was your sleep experience before baby arrived? How many hours of sleep do you need? How can you work together with your partner if you have one to make sure you get enough sleep? What are baby's sleep rhythms? And are you able to watch for baby's cues to be able to um, figure out when baby is tired so you don't miss that sweet window of nepertunity that I like to call it that. Um, and, and so we talk about sleep. Uh, the next topic we talk about is feeding. Uh, feeding can also be one of those really guilt-ridden topics that uh, can be really controversial. Um, you know, some people uh, believe really strongly that breastfeeding is best and you should always work as hard as possible to breastfeed for as long as possible. But that doesn't work for everyone. Some people need to, for medical reasons or personal reasons, formula feed their baby. And we believe that that's also a great choice and that you, Bill, as a parent, are a, an expert on yourself and on your child and what your family needs. And so we want to support you through that process. And so when we talk about feeding, we talk about all the different kinds of feeding. We talk about exclusively pumping, nursing, you know, chest feeding, SNS, bottle feeding, formula. What does your pediatrician say? And sometimes if the babies are a little bit older when the group starts, we'll even get into things like starting solid foods. What's the nutritious way? Does it have to be organic? Can I make my own? Um, parents have lots of questions and it's really fun to watch them just share information back and forth during that topic. So arrival stories, sleep, feeding. The fourth topic we talk about is early learning and development. And this is another one where parents um, sometimes hold a lot of anxiety about, well, am I doing enough for my child? Uh, am I messing them up, right? A lot of moms will go around, am I messing up my child? I'm not good enough. The truth is that, you know, especially in that newborn era, connection with your baby is all you need. And so when we talk about development, we really talk about the, the attachment connection that parents can make with their newborn just by watching them, observing with them, interacting face to face. And then we also, you know, let parents share their anxieties about developmental stages, um, if they have any, or, you know, or their excitement about what's coming next. I'm so excited for my baby to crawl. It's going to be so much fun. Um, it, those kinds of things. Uh, and then we also talk about what it feels like to be your child's first teacher. 
and really to take their education in your own hands. And, and this is part of the process of empowering parents to, uh, to believe that they are the experts on their children and to not hand over their child's education to someone else. That even if your child is in daycare full-time, even if your child is in public school full-time, that you are still the guiding force behind their education as their parent. And, um, and so I really, I really like doing that topic clearly as an educator that one really kept me going yeah um, and then the last of the five topics I know I'm going on and on I can You're good. like seriously talk for hours on these um, the last of the five topics is also really important and that's when we talk about emotional challenges and we discuss and do a little education on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders um, and that one hits really close to home for me because I struggled with postpartum anxiety um, after all three of my kids and um, so it's really important to me for parents to know what the risk factors are, not just for themselves, but also so that they can uh, help to advocate for friends that they may have, neighbors, colleagues, um, so that the whole community can become more educated about the very serious emotional challenges that come along with being a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. The, uh, yeah, those are all very helpful topics in my experience um and you know definitely all the way as, you, as you're mentioning you know each person has different individual experience whether it's the feeding the development um and then as well as the emotional challenges um, and that's why what's so great about the program and what i it's hard to often tell some people sometimes that you know, you mentioned that you make very deep relationships with the people that you're that you're going through this with, um, and you establish that through some of these topics, feeling comfortable enough to communicate these things, as well as um, you know, re have conversations about them, and it builds a a bond and a trust um, between you and and your your partners um, that that kind of is different from a lot of other ones because you don't necessarily always talk about those things with other people and, and you don't necessarily talk about those things and not receive judgment or another person's view or recommendation on it. Um, so yeah, yeah. so it's, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. Uh, yeah, you know, it was actually one of the moms in the group that I did with my firstborn who listened to me talking about my feelings um, and said, hey, you know, what you're talking about doesn't sound like it, it sounds like something might be a little bit off. Um, and she said, you know, I'm experiencing postpartum depression. And one of the things that I'm doing to, uh, to help myself with that is going swimming. I heard you were a swimmer. Would you like to come swim with me? Yeah. And so this new friend of mine just invited me into her world of support and we started swimming together, which was really helpful. And that was one of the ways that I battled my postpartum anxiety after my first child. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That's, that's so, again, like you said, the, the relationship is so deep. Um, and, and even again, even kind of transitioning from this, but keeping with the trust aspect is, you get to understand who these people are in your network and how they view parenting and you gain a um, 
again, a trust, I keep, I keep coming back to it. And, you know, I've had people tell me um, who have gone through your program and they tell me, you know, I would trust my child being with that person if, if ever, anything ever were to happen. You know, if anything were to ever happen with us, I would have them as an emergency um, person for them. And that's just, again, that amount of trust is not um, easy to gain. So it's a wonderful thing that you're able to help people gain those, gain that amount of trust with people. Yeah. You know, that's actually one of the outcomes that we measure when we do our pre and post surveys. Um, and when we collect that data um, from parents, you know, we ask them beforehand, the question is, do you have someone that you could call in an emergency? Um, you know, and they either agree or disagree. And then after the program, we ask them the same question. And uh, that not only is the average across the board that they improve in their agreement on that question, but on that question particularly, it's like like everyone moves, and we were, we're able to move people almost a, a full point, which is twenty percent on a five point yeah, scale. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, amazing. so that's really really intentional, and I actually don't think that there are a lot of other organizations that have such an intentional. Um, devotion to developing those kinds of trusted relationships between the parents in their group. That's so powerful. It's so powerful. Uh, I guess that would lead me into another question is what do you feel like makes you guys different from other, um, you know, whether it's a parent support group or just any other services in the area for parents? Yeah, you know, I think we've just been talking about it. It's uh, it's the relationships. Um, you know, every time I talk with uh, anyone in my network, right? If it's a doula or a parent educator or a lactation consultant, I'm always asking them because I want to know. You know, hey, in your classes, how are you keeping your parents connected to each other after your class is over? Mm -hmm. And you know, by and large, uh, with very few exceptions. Their answer is, oh, we don't do that. If they stick together, that's on their own. Mm. And I think one of the things about the modern society that we live in is that it's just not easy to form those deep relationships in the same way that maybe even our parents' generation had opportunities to do that with colleagues, neighbors, you know, friends at your place of worship or, um, or at school. Um, the the digital kind of realm and social media uh, lends itself to these really shallow connections that are just based on right likes and comments, and the kinds of questions that build trust and the kind the amount of time that it takes to build trust uh, is significant. So um, so I really do think that the kind of relationships that we're able to build, um, and not just between clients. Um, but also between the organization and our clients. Mm -hmm. um, the, the families that we serve, and particularly the families in the groups that I lead, I mean, I always tell them, hey, this is your group, you know, I'm gonna step back you know, after it's over. Um, but, oh, but we've shared so much. So we often keep in contact and, um, and I love seeing pictures of their babies grow. You know, the first TAPS babies are turning five this fall. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's, oh, it's, I mean, there, I'm like, I remember you when you were, yeah. like, yeah. that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Do you, what are some things that 
um, have been challenging or what are some things that you guys are trying to do now to help that goal with the virtual aspect of everything? Yeah, so with the virtual aspect, um, one of the things that we're doing is keeping groups smaller. Um, we used to have a maximum number of people in a group, um, excuse me, as up to 10 families. So uh, with a couples group, you can imagine that 20 voices trying to share on a Zoom meeting is really difficult. So we've reduced that number to, um, to six couples, uh, but most of our groups are more like three to four couples or you know, up to like five moms um, so that they're really intimate. So you feel safe sharing, that's really important. And then we also know based on the research that having a wide social network is also important, right? So we wanna go deep and we wanna go wide. So we're taking the groups that we're leading through the curriculum and we're kind of cross socializing them intentionally. So we'll pick a time that people in two different groups that are located near each other are able to meet and their facilitators will arrange a, a group Zoom. Totally social, there's no structure, it's just fun. Um, or they've been sometimes going and meeting at parks and, uh, and you know, sitting on towels or blankets in, um, in their groups and introducing themselves to each other so, uh, so that they, the, the reason that this works is that they've been through the same program and they can have a mutual understanding of respect and non-judgment um, between the groups. So we've seen a lot of really, um, really powerful interactions happening that way yeah. so that we're able to both, you know, wide social network and deep relationships. Yeah. It's, this isn't the first time you've mentioned that respect um, and it's, I'd love to know, you know, besides in the first group meeting of, you know, kind of laying down ground rules, how do you foster that respect among these peers? And how have you experienced it where there's been disrespect in the past? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it just all starts with how we describe the program from the beginning. So people who sign up uh, have read the, hopefully have read the description on our website or have heard someone tell them about it. And so there's an expectation already that this is a safe place to share and be who you are um, without any kind of judgment. Mm -hmm. um, we also do some really specific activities to help foster that level of respect and understanding. Um, one of them we do during the first meeting and it's called our um, unique things about you activity where we encourage parents to describe things about themselves that make them who they really are. And I, this is really hard for people because we don't often think about what elements of ourselves make us who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what are you happy about that, you know, about who you are? You know, we think about things we do, about places we've lived. Um, but this question that helps people kind of get to the core of their identity, mm -hmm. which is, uh, is a really important piece of um, your parenting. Yeah. And so when I lead a group, I'll do that exercise in a couple of the sessions so that the parents have an opportunity to 
to share several things about themselves. Um, and often as they're doing that, as they're sharing things that they like to do and places they like to go, they'll find these commonalities um, across the room or across the Zoom where um, we had, I had one group um, where several of the members all played instruments. And so the jokes every week that would come up during conversation were all music related because they knew that everyone would get the joke because they were all musicians. Yeah. and so it's really fun to find commonalities there. And I think that when parents are able to see each other as uh, as more than just a name and a picture, when they see deep into each other's soul, I mean, for um, for lack of a better term, there's uh, it's easier to be respectful of differing opinions because you've already viewed the other person as as human. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you disagree on feeding or parenting style or discipline or sleep arrangements or what, you know, whatever it is that we might disagree on, um, yeah. once we view each other as human, there's kind of an automatic level of respect. Yeah, that's so important and uh, unfortunately somewhat lacking in our, in our general society at this time. But uh, what would you say um, are some of the things that are your favorite things about helping parents? Oh, man, there's so many. There's so many. Let's go with three. Um, What are some of my favorite things? I I love seeing the, the physical evidence of confidence in a parent. So uh, I'm thinking about a particular meeting that I was subbing for our volunteer for a couple of years ago. And I walked into the house and the, uh, one of the moms was really just tight. I mean, just mm-hmm. a little bit stiff and not really relaxed as she was holding her baby and, um, you know, passed her baby back and forth to her partner several times. And, um, baby was fussy, uh, and you know, we were talking about sleep that night. And so we started sharing stories about sleep, um, you know, after highs and lows and all of that. Um, and I just, I watched her kind of like go from stiff and straight, just to kind of like slowly melting with her baby into the couch. And it was like her whole body relaxed as she realized that the experience she was going through was normal, that she's not alone, and that there were some really easy uh, things that she could try that might improve her baby's sleep, mm-hmm. which was one of the challenges she was facing. Yeah. So um, so that ah, that physical evidence of confidence yeah. is just so cool to watch in the moment. It doesn't happen every time, but typically over the 10 weeks, I'll see parents um, just move from being really nervous and uh, into a space of real confidence and empowerment. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. What are some things about, we could go with parenting or supporting parents and providing support um, that you feel like is not well known enough? Some things that you, something, some things that you feel like, you know, you feel like people should know this, but they don't. 
You mentioned. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you have something on your mind? Because I know that you've worked with a lot of our parents. Yeah, uh, no. Um, hmm. In terms of support, um, I think I think the biggest thing we discussed earlier is, and you just touched on it just now, is normalization. Mm-hmm. Um, normalizing the feeding struggles, normalizing, um, normalizing and, um, providing tips. Like you said, feeding, sleeping ideas, development, um, you know, affirming that the things that are happening are normal and that things move at different paces for people. Um, emotional challenges that people have is a thing that happens and that it's something that you can have help with. Um, you know, I think those are the things that, uh, and then also thinking back about parenting, early parenting is you go through these courses uh, when you go to become a, a, a new parent and they teach you all the science stuff and all, you know, what to expect during delivery. And then you get into the first month or so and it's like, why didn't anybody tell us any of this? They didn't tell us any of this. And it's like, you know, I don't know anywhere from how, you know, for, for those who, you know, speaking to, speaking to many people, troubles with breastfeeding troubles with, um, you know, again, yeah. Like people having depression, people, um, you know, just, just, what that does and then i mean also empowering people because it is incredible how much you can do without sleep um you mentioned that you know you're trying to let the prenatal groups know about that and that's so important and it's funny because i had coworkers who all said hey man get your sleep now enjoy it now and i was like yeah yeah whatever it's it's i'll be fine and um as soon as it happened i realized that now i say that i say to my friends i say hey man enjoy your sleep now. It's, it's incredible what you're going to be able to do, but, um, get it now. So I guess those are a few things that I feel like people should know about parenting and the ability of your program to provide support for. Yeah. So, you know, the things that you're talking about there, that like stuff in the first month that nobody told you about, uh, we, we see that, right. I experienced that. I was like texting my friends. Nobody told me this. <laughs> ah, what color is the poop supposed to be? That's right. Um, and uh, not having poop. Yeah. Our daughter didn't poop for like three days straight. And then we went to the doctor and they're like, Oh, that's normal. I was like, what? That's not what they said in the class. Yeah. Right. So we're trying to talk about some of those things during our very first meeting in the prenatal series. So the topic we're covering there is preparing for baby's arrival. And so there we're talking about like, have you and your partner made a plan for getting sleep? Mm-hmm. Have you made a plan for who's going to walk the dog? <laughs> you made a plan for how you're going to transition out of work and back into work, you know, how are you going to make sure that you have good rapport with your coworkers when you go back? Um, Childcare is a topic that we're covering during the prenatal uh, group, you know, not like you should pick a childcare provider, but 
here are some questions you might want to think about asking a child care provider. What are your values around parenting so you can make sure that your values match with your child care provider? I think that's something that sometimes gets left out, yeah. that you have very real parenting values. You know, even before the child is born, you have ideas about what you want their experience to be like. And those are really important to respect. Um, and finding a childcare provider that lines up with your values may not be as easy as some parents um, think about. No. So, um, so those are just a couple of the topics. Um, you know, another thing that people don't all realize is how much conflict having a baby can create between you and your partner. Um, there's a, uh, I'm gonna go grab a book. Just a second, I'll be right back. Does this look familiar? Yeah. Zero to five. So the whole first section of this, uh, I don't know if I showed you this during your group. There's, um, there's this really great page in here on, and then th this graph is my favorite. Um, this graph shows, and I guess this is my like unofficial plug for this book. I don't yeah. make any money off of that, but um, <laughs> but this is really great for new parents. Yeah, so Can it's you see zero the graph? to five. And what is the graph? What does the graph uh, depict? If you wouldn't mind. Explaining. So this graph shows uh, marital satisfaction um, across the ages of a child's life. So uh, there are four studies here, and um, you know so. Married without children has really high, typically, levels of satisfaction. And then it starts this, like, downward. Yeah, plummet. And then there's some happy moments. And then, oh, the teenage years. <laughs> and then satisfaction goes up. Gotcha. So if parents can expect conflict and prepare for it and really have a plan for how am I going to deal with this conflict with right. my partner. Plan, yeah. Um, that can can really help the yeah. um, the level of satisfaction that you feel in your marriage and potentially even prevent conflicts from becoming so great that they're insurmountable right save a marriage right absolutely i mean just like you said just planning for it understanding it's normal again there's the word normal um, that these dips and these struggles happen uh, mm -hmm. to a lot of people understanding that and then if you have a plan how much ahead you probably are uh of all those people because if you have a plan of you know something to talk about something to say something to do that lets your spouse understand that whether you're not happy satisfied uh feeling loved comfortable um all of those things um if you have a plan yeah absolutely that can be very very um important yeah that's awesome that's great that you incorporate that into the prenatal stuff. That's wonderful. Um, just to finish up, um, that's one book. Uh, usually I ask about three books that people enjoy recommending or gifting. That was zero to five. Um, what are two other books that you would recommend? Not necessarily, doesn't have to be about parenting, support. Uh, could just be anything that you really enjoy or think is great on a human level, entertainment level. Um, what are the books? Uh, do you enjoy recommending or gifting? Oh man, um, 
uh, I give a lot of books as gifts, but mostly to my kids' friends. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think about uh, the books that I recommend for adults. Sure. Um, okay, my very favorite book right now is, um, and I'm a sci-fi fantasy uh, reader, so that's my favorite genre. Um, and so I am really enjoying, and I've read it a couple of times, it's called The Night Circus. Um, and that will, uh, well, it's long, but, so, I mean, really not for the first year of parenting. Don't, don't try to read this. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Any others? Another I mean, one? Unless it's your entertainment at night while you're feeding. Right. Sure. Any others that you'd recommend? Uh, let's or that, see. Um, gift? <laughs> yes. I'm looking at my, my shelves down here. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> this is uh, Raising a Secure Child. Um, is by the um, the experts who created the Circle of Security Parenting Program, mm -hmm. um, which is um, a theory about how attachment forms between child and caregiver, and um, is uh, just I think just a real gift to any any parent. Yeah. Um, because of how important the early emotional attachments are to a child's um, long-term health and, um, and life outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, did you know that a baby can't grow, like literally will not put on weight no matter how much you feed it if it's not being held regularly? Um, I, did. I actually did know that, but that's, that is an, I, I don't keep that at the front of my brain, but yes, that's an, incredible incredible sad thing actually but yeah, yeah. Uh, and and how just the loving connection between parent or caregiver and the child just not only helps them to grow physically better um, helps them to grow with uh, more resilience of their emotions they can problem solve better they can make friends better they read better they have um, better grades in school when parents are able to establish, and I'm not talking about the attachment parenting where like they're on you all the time, but it's this responsive uh, understanding of how as a parent, you are your child's secure base and they're going to go out into the world. This is the circle. They're going to go out into the world. They're going to experience some things and then they're going to come back to you. And they might come back to you with uh, a problem. They might come back to you with an experience they want to share, but that they're always going to come back to you. They're always going to go out and explore, experience, and come back. And um, so that's what this book is all about. That's also what Circle of Security Parenting the Program is all about, um, which is hopefully something that we are going to be able to launch uh, in the future. Um, and you know, it depends on a lot of things. Uh, and if we're not able to launch it, I can recommend a couple of other organizations in the triangle that are offering it awesome. right now. So, um, that's a really, uh, wonderful program for parents mm -hmm. looking for more information about their child's emotional development and attachment. That's awesome. That's so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. We will, uh, 
two, two more things we'll end with. One, if you were to have a billboard on the edge of a very busy highway where thousands of people will see it every day, what would the message that you put on it be? Um, take your friend dinner tonight. They need to know they're loved. That's great. I love it. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Monica. If people want to reach out to you with parenting questions, questions about anything we talked about today, questions about TAPS programs, what is the best way to reach you? Yeah, they can reach out via email. Uh, my email address is monica at tapsnc.org. Um, and, and that's the best way to reach me. I check my email probably more than I should. Mm -hmm. um, you can also reach out to us uh, with questions. There's a form on our website. The website is www.tapsnc.org. That's tapsnc.org. Uh, and they can reach out. Um, they can sign up for our newsletter there. They can sign up for a program. They can get more information. If maybe you are listening to this and you are past the new parent age, there's also opportunities to get involved as a volunteer or as a donor. Um, and all of those roles are important to the work that we do. We really could not do what we do without our donors and volunteers. Yeah, awesome, thank you. And, you know, I should have asked you this earlier, is there anything that you'd like to kind of tell people about that's coming up in the new year, uh, at the end of this year, 2020, or at the beginning of 2021, is there any sort of event that um, they can help support Triangular uh, Area Parent Support Group, TAPS? Uh, and, um, you know, or join and be a part of it. Is there anything like that coming up? Yeah, so we, uh, we always have a fundraiser, and right now we are uh, in the middle of that. Uh, we can, uh, people can go online and donate toward the fundraiser anytime they want. Um, and then in the new year, there will also be a fun spring maybe even in-person uh, family event. Uh, and if we're not able to do it in person, we will have uh, some kind of spring TAPS event uh, that people can get involved with. So um, so sign up for the newsletter so that you can be first to find out about uh, upcoming events. And then also, uh, prenatal group starts every month. So sign up now if you're pregnant. Um, newborn groups start about every other month. So um, check the website frequently for a group that fits you and drop in anytime. We would love to see you. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time and energy. I appreciate your willingness to kind of uh, talk through some of the things that you guys are, are providing to so many parents and, and all the help you provide. I appreciated all your help when we went through the program and I hope that this helps at least one person find you guys. Um, Thank you everyone for listening and for now, be well and thrive. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I would love to hear from you on who else needs to be heard and highlighted in the Triangle area. For ways to reach out with questions, recommendations, or comments, please see the show notes. But for now, be well and thrive.